Welcome everyone to another episode of Ascend and Transcend. Today's guest is a coach that really helps people kind of break through this prison of their limited consciousness. And we're all about that here, but what's so incredible about him is that he also incorporates science. So welcome, Alex. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on and have this chat. I feel like we can never fully understand or dive deep enough to really get the grasp of what's going on in our consciousness, where our our subconscious is really kind of driving the ship, right, of what we see, our whole belief system. So it's great to have you here to kind of help us understand on a more high level exactly what's going on and what's needed for real change. So if you would, tell us a little bit about your journey, how you became a coach, and what it is that you love to do most with clients. My journey, how I became a coach, and what I love to do most. Well, my journey really, it's hard to tell where a journey starts, isn't it? But you could say there are pivotal pivotal moments where I woke up to something within myself and really it was born out of suffering Um, around about four or five years ago. I went through a breakup. Uh, That relationship was coming up to about a decade long and the suffering that that generated in the aftermath, this pain and these thoughts about what was, about what could have been, about what what has happened to me, what am I going to do now, these thoughts just turned so tortuous. Uh, I had been into personal development, spirituality for a while, but I really feel like the core of it didn't quite click until that moment because a friend recommended that I listen to The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And I thought, hmm, I've seen Eckhart before and he kind of irritated me a little bit. It's like slow and <laughs> Very I, I calm. was impatient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost probably painfully calm. Triggered the, the anxious me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And I was probably very anxious at the time. So there was that clash in energy. Absolutely. But, you know, this is the good thing about suffering is that it can be the catalyst to making you feel like, okay, what do I do to liberate myself from this? Because now it's really hit the fan. How? do I transcend this, this, you know, this torture? So mm. I thought, okay, let's get into the power of now. Let's see what, what, what is saying. And at some point in time, I sort of did this shift that the book was encouraging us to do from thought to sense perceptions. And then I noticed this contrast between having my attention in this world of what was, what could have been memories, pain, thoughts, anxiety, to okay I'm in the room there's what I can see there's what I can hear there's what I can smell there's this presence and just this contrast between this apparent suffering and then this peace and so I kind of started switching between those two and thinking ah okay it's not a thought it's not like a concept it's a movement of attention from this prison of thinking to the now sense perceptions, just being with what is. And yeah, that really was, I guess, like one of my biggest awakenings. But these things go in stages, you know, we peel back these onion layers piece by piece. And I've discovered many different layers to this over the years. But I would say that's one of my most pivotal um, 
points. Yeah. And really the sort of crux of what I help clients with, you asked, what do I love to do with clients? I mean, that's really where the shift is. Mm-hmm. There is so much that you can do on the level of talking things through, coming to understanding, going into the past. So much you can do on a physiological level with the breathing, with muscle relaxation, mm. with coming into calm states of consciousness by using these biological levers. But the foundation of it all is this presence, this awareness, this mindfulness. There's many names for it, but just get into that and making that the priority in my life and and helping clients do the same in their life always provides the most transformation from anxiety, low self-esteem, low confidence into those deeper states of peace, calm, and joy. Well, we could talk way, it's going to be hard to keep this conversation to 30 minutes because um, (laughs) we definitely see things in a very similar way. And Eckhart was a huge, you know, it was like somebody flipped the lights on. I think I had to read The Power of Now a solid three times before I really understood it. Because as you said, you know, he can he can come off in this wonderfully calm, methodical, almost slow, you know, peaceful way. And his writing feels very dense. <laughs> and there's a few times where he would say a sentence that I would get it. But most of the time it was kind of rereading. So I like this. I'd kind of love to stay in this place of helping listeners understand this whole premise of the present moment and this, this consciousness that we have. And one thing that he did when he really taught, you know, um, the power of no, I think it was a new earth. He did a seven series show with Oprah and it was wonderful. If you guys, you know, you know, have YouTube, go look it up. Uh, the super souls, maybe it wasn't super soul, but it was Oprah and Eckhart. And he talked about one way to bring yourself into the present moment was just to kind of like feel the energy in your hands. Right. So you're saying this too, like be in this moment. And I think that that sounds simplistic, but why is it so hard for for some people just to feel their own consciousness in this moment? I think it's because we're so conditioned to think that we do everything with thinking, with the mind. I certainly was. I had no other control over my conscious experience as opposed to interacting with thought. I'm sure I move my attention around on purpose sometimes, but not in this way, consciously moving the attention. Instead of it being a thought, it's not something that we do with the mind. It's something that we do with our, you could say, attention or awareness. So if I say, for example, suggest to your audience now, just become aware of any sensations that you can feel in your body right now. Like just go there with your attention and just there may be some kind of tingling in the body. You know, I'm doing this podcast and the brain sets off adrenaline for that. So you can feel that in the body and you could, you just sort of stay with it. And it's actually, you can thank it because it's giving me the energy to interact you know, usually this could turn into anxiety, like, oh, you know, if you let the mind take over, but if you just stay with the sensation, be with the sensation, that's actually the dissolving of it. That's actually transmuting that sensation into consciousness simply by being aware of it. Now that's, that's the easy access into the present moment. 
there are, shall we say, deeper levels as you go down this path. For example, I might ask, uh, who are you between two thoughts? Are you aware? You know, what do you do to check that you're aware? There's this sense of I am that underlies experience. And that can be quite abstract for some people. It turns into an idea quite quickly. But there is just this sense of being and with enough guidance um, and enough pointers, any of us can just see this simple truth. And then it's a simple case of ever spiraling down into more of yourself because that's who you that's what it really is like this awareness this presence it's who you are at your at your essential level we're being knowingly the essential self simple or you know like who you are but also like what you are so we're, we're we are this consciousness this presence and i think that it can be really hard for people to sit with themselves with clients i you know the ultimate goal with my clients is to just operate from this place of deep peace, no matter what situation we're in. And it's interesting because you have Eckhart and then you have Tit Nanhang, and there, you know, he was with Oprah as well. And he said, everything is a meditation for me. Holding this cup and drinking this tea is a meditation. Walking, all of these things, even driving in traffic can be a meditation. And it seems like a pretty far flung concept for people to understand. And maybe, you know, you can't stay in that place 24-7, but you can have these moments of it, right, Alex? So even if you're introducing these moments of being present, you don't have to be in a quiet room sitting in Lotus, you know, doing Aum. It can be while you're talking to your child. It can be us talking right now. This can be a meditation. It all can be. And really, that is just finding that gap in between thoughts and being okay with it not being labeled and not trying to fill that space, right? Yes. Uh, I've heard a couple of teachers say this, that actually what meditation really is, is not something that we do, but it's who we are. Mm. It's who we are prior to thought. We yeah. always place meditation as this like extra activity, but actually it's the cessation of something. It's the stopping of constant identification with the sense of self in the mind. Yeah. That's generating you so much suffering. Right. And whenever I suffer, that's what's happening. I'm identified with a story that's telling some painful story. Now, you say it's hard for people. I think that's because we don't want to, we, well, how do I don't want to put this in a better way? Like, I, I, I would go out there and say, feeling emotional pain is not as bad as you think it's going to be. Like, we're all trying to escape this background discomfort and anxiety that's there. Because when people sit with themselves, then suddenly, often, not all the time, but often there is this background kind of jittery sort of anxiety, discomfort in the nervous system, we've got this chronically elevated, usually sympathetically elevated nervous system from the breathing, all, all kinds of different influencing yeah. factors. So, so it's just bringing that whole system down into deeper states of peace and calm. That's where the, that's where the leverage is. Yeah. And then just moving into those. Uh, and then that's where that's where all your natural calm and confidence arises from. But I do think that there is there's an there are external cues constantly 
trying to pull you out of that state. And even if there isn't anxiety there, it will breed anxiety, right? Whether it's the news or whether it's, you know, you could be driving along having this wonderful drive and then there's like a bumper sticker that sets you off. You know, I mean, there could be these things um, that are designed to pull you out of that consciousness. But to your point, I think that if you if you really look at why you don't feel good or where this suffering is coming from, Eckhart also said, when you're suffering, you're either living in the future or the past, but it's very rare that it is at the present moment. And so I put this to the test. I was getting a root canal a couple of weeks ago and I thought, oh shit, if I can be Zen during this root canal, we're going to be good. And I had on some nice music over the drill, but it wasn't as awful as my head had told me it was going to be Yeah, from past experiences or what everybody wants you to think about getting a root canal. It was actually rather pleasant. I had three hours <laughs> of lying in a chair and basically being in a meditative state. So it doesn't have to be this story that you've told yourself that it used to be in the past or what the expectations from external sources are telling you it should be. Exactly. And then just keeping that awareness with it, being with it, is the dissolving of it, the transforming of it. And sometimes if it's really intense, like if you've had a particular old trauma triggered or something and the nervous system really starts to ramp up those are the challenging times to catch yourself before you identify Mm -hmm. with the story you know and those are the times where you can kind of almost go through these new awakenings but it's it's nice to know that you know any discomfort any pain body as Eckhart Tolle would call it that's there um that is also like a form of grace it's also what yeah. you will use to wake up into uh, you know from that dream of thought into the into the reality into the the real world into your true self where just that there's that like knowing intuition yeah and it doesn't have to be a huge trauma to wake you up um no. you know you said that you went through a very painful breakup and you know, I had quote unquote traumas as a child. And, you know, we can choose to keep identifying with those. (laughs) We can just keep bringing that story to the front, or we can see it as an opportunity and that it's, it's actually there to serve a function. And maybe that is what we need to kind of grab us by the shoulders and, and force us into these present moments when you can't stand the suffering anymore that you must go within because nothing on the external is working. The numbings that you're trying aren't working, trying to replace or fill that void that feels the discomfort isn't working. And so you're forced. So even if it's, let's keep using this, you know, example here of traffic, even if you're in traffic and you just fucking hate traffic and you know, you're going to be in it for three hours, this could be a point. This could be this wonderful nudge from your soul to say, you know what? We're going to enjoy this, this root canal, this traffic, this is going to be three hours and we can make it bliss or we can make it torture. And it's really our choice. Feel yourself being triggered, feel that adrenaline from that resistance and then, and then sink into it. I mean, it could be the traffic. It could be a monumentous event. I had one uh, lady that I worked with who, whose knees were falling apart, you know, it's just getting really bad arthritis and she'd had 
you know, the hospital saying to her that, you know, she could be wheelchair bound in the future and facing that future for her and just, and the thoughts that that situation was generating was just so tortuous. Um, We worked together to get her in touch with herself as awareness, like knowing herself as beyond the body and the mind, you know, knowing herself as this, this peaceful spaciousness in which her experience arises, arthritic knees and all, you know, and being able to come into that place. And it just provided her with so much relief. Yes, on a relative level, there's still issues. There's still things that that you can do things about, you know, there's ways in which you can take action. It's This isn't about being passive and like, I just accept everything and just being like floating on a cloud or something. Yeah. You know, you might still have... Uh, sometimes like powerful or stern, uh, you know, reactions, uh, responses to things, I should say. Uh, but with that internal stillness, that internal acceptance, if you can cultivate that and deepen into that in your experience, that changes everything uh, for yeah. the better. Acceptance transforms. It really does. And so if you can, you don't, you don't have to accept it long term to your point. Um, but Really, in the moment, the only option we have is to resist or accept. And you can create a framework or work with somebody to help you create that framework to then change it. But I love that. I mean, I think that it's really the option of being in pain or giving yourself an escape route of, and that is acceptance. So tell mm-hmm. me how you've seen, at least with your clientele as well, kind of the um, the after effects of the pandemic, not that it's ending uh, potentially anytime soon, but it feels like, um, you know, fear, feeling everybody feeling unsafe, this high jump in anxiety, depression, suicide, uh, drug and alcohol abuse is all this residual leftover of this groaning pandemic that never seems to end. So how are you able to help clients kind of be able to tune out this now very loud level of noise in their minds and find that consciousness where the peace is. When there's all of this, there's really very real things to be worried about. Well, the interesting thing is, is that they know what they want to feel like if the news and if like the narratives about the world are spooking them and to the point where, you know, it's not useful for them to be in that energy of fear. It's not going to influence the situation in a better way. They, I've, I've always known clients to be aware of that. They know that the mind activity, they sort of know instinctually that the mind activity about it is generating the suffering. And if they can come into like deeper states of peace, then it's, you know, it's the way out of that um but yeah i mean it i think it's all just bringing it up in general that that kind of oppressive the externally oppressive elements are coming up in terms of the at the moment you know in terms of the pandemic and then we have like the prospect of climate change uh, and and people especially like a lot of younger people they're very apathetic now because the narrative is is that we are fucked, like right. we are screwed. There's nothing we can um, do. And 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 it's like, and then it's not like solutions are mainstream or anything like that. And there are wonderful things happening, but they 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 hardly even get shown 
in the mainstream like you have to actually be either looking for this stuff or you just come across it on a smaller channels uh you know whether it be the ocean cleanup company that's actually apparently right. gonna be able to clean up the pacific garbage patch and maybe they'll be able to <laughs> uh do something about the right. carbon or or, or whatever yeah. it is but you know we need to th th that's what it's all about really is 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 the only way that we're going to be able to solve these problems collectively is if we can transcend that negative mind activity because it's not just the case of just changing mind from negative to positive. This is going from like the thinking, which is usually negative, to your true self, which is like you are optimistic, you are hopeful and loving in your nature. It's, it is your nature when you're happy and calm, like you care, you're compassionate, you want to take action. I want to take action. You want to take action to to be of service in some kind of way, whatever speaks best to your skills and your interests. But you're only going to be fully sort of actualizing within that if you're in a state where your nervous system is regulated, primarily sympathetic, calm, energized, but focused with a quiet mind and intuitive power. I think, too, what you said about this thinking mind, right? Um, the thinking mind, ego or whatever you mm -hmm. want to label it, can very, can very easily be drawn negative. And then so therefore, we think that we are thinking negative and therefore we are speaking negative and maybe we're blogging and posting and this negativity can kind of come out. And I think that negativity is drawn to negativity and then it can snowball and it can become something that really feels suffocating in your life. And, and then I don't know about you, but a lot of times by the times client, by the time clients reach out to me, they've usually been spinning in that pool for a while and they can no longer decipher what is me and my true consciousness versus this thinking brain. And especially since we're coming up on the holidays, right? This can be another dicey situation with family. Like, oh, okay. So I think it's really good to, if you can share a couple of tips for clients on how to find that place of peace in their consciousness when they are physically around others that have no desire to be positive or to be in that state of surrender. They really just want to get their point across. That's great. We've got a festive question. Um, I, I know people are going to like, I dread the holidays. I mean, it's never been my jam because they're tough. Yeah. You it's like yeah. landmines everywhere with family members. It, you, you remind me of the quote, I don't know, I'm probably butchering this, but something like, think you're so zen, go spend you know Christmas yeah. with your family. Um, right. Because... It's what triggers ego the most, what triggers that, you know, thinking identification the most is usually other people and people that you share a history with. Uh, there's more to be triggered there. There's just simply more emotional and, and uh, you know, conceptual content. But I, I think a, a lot of people listening will will know that really when they're in a calm and relaxed state they don't think uh, the things that arise at those tense moments with family members when you're triggered you know it's 
there may be an aspect where, you know, it's almost like you need that adrenaline to rise up, to give you the courage to actually say something that you, you mean, mm. uh, that you, you've wanted to say. But there is this kind of, you can easily tip over into, uh, you know, stuff that is not really is, is is on behalf of the triggered you is on behalf of that yeah. contracted limited you and not really in your true power and so staying connected to your true power and your true self well the easiest way there is this body awareness because in a in in, in a triggering situation with family members it's that adrenaline that's going to be triggered which then turns into the thought activity and then can catch your attention and have you identify with it. So mm. you reclaim consciousness from the mind by feeling, actually feeling those feelings and just just yeah. waiting. Another little trick you can do is if you're just starting this, you can think to yourself, when you, when, when you get that feeling, that's a cue to think, wait like a minute or two, and then I will say this, I will say this, I will do this, whatever it is, but in yeah. a minute or two. <laughs> yeah. And then just wait to see like what's going on in your consciousness, what's going on in your thoughts and how things change as you just sit with the body and just observe yeah. your thinking and that difference between the mind identification and the heavy story and this like, okay, what do I really need to do yeah. to set a boundary or whatever it is or yeah. just not even respond you know that's so good <laughs> and you can even excuse yourself make up an excuse i have to go to the restroom i'll be back yeah. if you need that minute and that person's just going to keep you know mm. lobbing new things on you that are triggering but i also think it's really important to set yourself up for success you know go for a run get some exercise that morning do a meditation whenever i'm with family meditation is mission critical and it's it's critical at home but when i'm away it is a non-negotiable and it's a solid hour or an hour and a half and i will excuse myself from dinner if i have to to go meditate because you don't want to go into this false you which is triggered and wants to fight and wants to get your point across which it's never going to work anyway it's probably just going to make them dig in deeper but i feel like it's okay to to give some boundaries to when people get to talk to you, <laughs> you know, even family members, maybe they haven't seen you in two years because of the pandemic. It's still okay to excuse yourself and be gone for 30 minutes if you need that so that you don't kind of go down this rabbit hole. I also think limiting or being really strategic with the amount of alcohol you consume is a huge piece. It is a depressant. It is something that will have lasting effects over the days that you're home. And I feel like too, <laughs> When you're in a bit of an inebriated state and somebody says something, it's going to be much harder to take that minute to think before you say or to calm down or to get recentered. Yeah. Right. I, I think I heard Eckhart Tolle say something like, you know, presence meditation brings you above thinking, alcohol brings you below thinking. I'm not trying to demonize a uh, drink. You know, sometimes I might have a glass, uh, uh, you know, or something every so often, but. Yeah, it's 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 just being able to uh it it any, any of these situations whether it's people or money or scarcity these are opportunities to wake your to have yourself awaken to deeper aspects of yourself you know um and that that's what it's really about like whether it be the family at christmas 
or the, the, the challenge that you have in your job or the challenges that you have in your relationships is like the question is, is can you use these as opportunities to go deeper? Can you use the adversity and, and not and not slip into the mind story about like, why is this happening to me? Uh, this shouldn't be happening. This this isn't the way things should be. I'm not where I need to be. All of these thoughts, all of these beliefs uh, that like, if you journal this out as well, you'll see it in front of you. <laughs> that's a really, that's another good thing to do. Uh, if we're on the whole tips train is morning pages. Have you ever heard of that one? It's like, no. it's from this book called uh, The Artist's Way. Uh, Julia Cameron, oh. I think, is the author. And it's about okay. helping people get back their creativity. Artists and musicians and stuff get back their creativity. But <laughs> it's, it, this this practice, it, she basically, as soon as you get up in the morning, before you pretty much, your brain's even switched on, you just start automatic writing three-letter uh, sized piece pages and it takes around about 20 minutes but you just wow. go you just write and you just write these like you know what you could call cloud thoughts anything that's drifting through your mind you don't judge it they can they can be moany whiny complaining I'm tired I feel too hot I didn't sleep well last night and then by the yeah. end of it they can turn into these enlightening things it's really really strange but what it does is it enables you to give your, yourself so much more consciousness to your thoughts yeah. and to your thinking and and take that step back. And if you did that before, uh, you know, uh, Christmas Love dinner it. or whatever it is or Thanksgiving, that, that would be right. pretty transformative, I think. But as a daily practice as well. Yeah. Well, Everyone listening, you know, you can have the same holiday that you've had for the last 10, 20, 30 years, or you can try some new things, right? And things that we talked about today. And the holidays can be a wonderful opportunity for growth and to do things differently, to interact differently. And when you're coming from a place of peace and calm and consciousness, others will either rise to your level or they will fall away. So, Drunk uncle won't want to talk to you about politics if you're in this wonderful, you know, high vibing state. So try it out. Thank you so much, Alex Scher, for being our guest today. Tell people where they can get more information about you and if you have any programs. Uh, yeah, well, YouTube and Instagram is the way to find me if you just go on either of those platforms and type in my name, Alex Shayla, you're going to see the results and you'll see my channel and you'll see my videos. And then if you want a book call to speak to me, you just go to speaktoalex.com. So that's www.speaktoalex.com. You can just fill in uh, a, a few questions um, and then you know we'll talk about potentially solving your problems. I do work together one-to-one -one with people with the right fit. Um, and that's basically it. There's alexshaler.com. Uh, not that much on there, but mostly on YouTube, Instagram. Yeah. Um, I always find that the guests that I have on are coming from this place of service. So there's usually a lot of free content and wonderful things. So if you can't get a call with Alex and you're wanting one, but the holidays are coming up or you just feel a little bit stressed, Go there, find some free content, 
and definitely try some of the tips that you shared with us today. So thank you so much, Alex. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. 